You're listening to the Alliance Specialty Podcast, dedicated to insurance and risk management solutions and trends shaping the market today. Here's your host, Lorraine Lewis. Hey, everybody. This is Lorraine Lewis, and welcome to another Alliance Specialty Podcast. Today, I've got with me David Fins, who is our cyber claims and coverage guru. And um, David, I was hoping that you could talk to us a little bit about a recent cyber attack that impacted the Red Cross. And I know that a lot of our healthcare clients and other not-for-profit organizations, you know there's probably a lot that they're going to be able to learn from that event. Sure. Well, first of all, Lorraine, thanks for having me on. This is a really tragic event that has happened. So what the Red Cross has announced is that there was an attack uh, on their network that affected the personal information of over half a million people that they were providing services to. And very often these people were quite vulnerable. Uh, Many of them were refugees from war or uh, migrants from other circumstances fleeing persecution and their sensitive information has been compromised as a result of this attack. Additionally, uh, roughly 2,000 staff and volunteers at the Red Cross and Red Crescent had their login credentials uh, compromised as well. What's not clear at this point is whether reports that this information is being sold on the dark web is to be believed. Uh, The Red Cross has been very transparent about the incident. They have a release on their website describing what they know about what has occurred. They are aware of the reports that this information is being uh, exchanged on the dark web, and they have engaged cybersecurity professionals to help uh, determine what exactly transpired and to put these individuals on notice that their information has been compromised. And as a result of this, they've had to scale back uh, their operations, helping those most in need. Wow. You know, it's really, I hadn't thought about how vulnerable some of those folks might be, you know, with with nefarious individuals potentially really looking to uh, find out where folks are. You know, as a senior claims guy, you've seen lots of complexity with claims. Talk to me about how you feel the Red Cross has responded to this incident, you know, from a claims perspective and in communicating with the public. Right. Well, as I mentioned, I mean, Red Cross is not a client of ours. However, they have been very public and very transparent in terms of sharing information with their donors, uh, with the recipients and and with the public in general regarding what they have done. Uh, They have engaged uh, service providers to help get to the bottom of what has transpired, figuring out what they can do to remediate, to shore up their uh, own network. And they have committed to continuing to provide updates to the public as more information becomes available. So, you know, in terms of the messaging and the crisis management response, uh, you know, they, they've been very forthcoming. And I think that goes a long way towards restoring confidence uh, in the Red Cross for both donors and for recipients of their services. No, that's, that's great feedback. So definitely, it sounds like transparency, good communication are really important. You know, what's striking to me about that breach is that's such a large, sophisticated organization. Yeah, you know, and we've worked on together some really large clients that have suffered breaches. So how, do, how does that happen? And what are the, some of the challenges that you see with managing cyber risk generally? Because like I said, some of our most sophisticated large clients or large organizations, I mean, they're struggling with it. Right. I mean, the fact that this happened to an organization as large and as resourceful as the Red Cross 
shows you that it can happen to any organization uh, in whether they're for-profit or not-for-profit, in healthcare or in other industries. Uh, no one is immune from uh, this sort of attack. It's not even clear that the threat actors, whoever they may be, were aware that the organization they were attacking was engaged in humanitarian work. I mean, typically they're very mercenary and will just go after any vulnerability that they see in a network to exploit it. Uh, the bottom line is that organizations of all sizes need to be aware of the importance of good cyber hygiene, but it's particularly challenging for not-for-profits because their effectiveness is often measured by what percentage of their resources go to providing services directly to those in need. And so there is a, uh, an, you know, an imperative, if you will, to keep overhead low. Mm -hmm. And that sort of runs counter to the need to devote adequate resources to cybersecurity, uh, which of course in, in this current job market come at a premium because cybersecurity professionals are in high demand. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. So now if you are a smaller organization, you know, like you acknowledged, I think the larger institutions you know, are able to devote some resources regardless of their tax status um, because of the sheer size of the organization. But for smaller organizations, you know, given the environment that we're in, I mean, what should they do recognizing the constraints that they face? Right. So with, with the understanding that there are plenty of charitable organizations out there and also healthcare providers that may not have the resources to hire an information security professional full time, what they might wish to consider doing is investing in a virtual or fractional chief information security officer, also known as a VCSO. And what that does is to connect them with a professional who will be devoted essentially part-time to their network on a 24-7 basis, if that makes any sense. In other words, yeah. they have several no, clients have. Right, that, that they're responsible for. Um, but at the same time, that gives the smaller organization access to top talent that they might not be able to afford to bring in-house. No, that's a that's a great suggestion. I honestly, I, I really didn't know that that was a, that was a thing now, but it makes perfect sense. You know, you, you handled some claims for me that were fairly high profile, and I know you've you've operated at very high level with lots of high profile claims. What are some lessons learned um, from your perspective, having had that opportunity to work on so many large claims? So recognizing that no organization is going to be one hundred percent immune to a cyber attack. I think the greatest danger is one of overconfidence, if you will. We actually have put together a list of the kinds of good practices that will minimize the possibility that they will be a victim of an attack or at least minimize the damage that would result. And recognizing also that the types of things that we're talking about, these are the things that move the needle for the underwriters as well. They wanna see that cyber hygiene is you know, permeated through an organization's culture. It's not a check the box exercise or a once a year audit, but it's really something that is taken to heart. And, and that really requires a, a shift in mindset more than it does the latest, you know, shiny bell and whistle or firewall uh, to a company's network. It really requires uh, uh, changing an organizational culture. And, you know, we can in helping uh, our clients find a more rewarding way to manage risk you know, help them get on that path towards 
making that uh, you know a, a a cultural mindset. No, I love that. Um, you know, it's funny from a healthcare perspective. You know, of course that sector is so vulnerable to cyber risk and it's one of the key industries under attack. It is the boardroom issue. And one of the things we've been doing to your point, David, is having our clients and their their IT guys engage directly six months in advance of expiration with underwriters that underwriters can be engaging and having dialogue with our clients. And so our clients can know what, what do they need to fix from a cyber hygiene perspective. So as we wrap up, I would like to thank everybody for their time. David, how do we contact you? So uh, folks can DM me on LinkedIn, or you can email me at david.finz at alliant.com. And we'll be happy to get a copy of that list out to you right away. Awesome. Again, everybody, this is Lorraine Lewis. And until next time, thanks so much for listening. Take care.